Coming off a win over the Seahawks, the Green Bay Packers are getting ready for a brutally cold game at the Chicago Bears, and they'll have to do it while playing through several injuries. For a look ahead, we welcome Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. We're talking some Packers football this morning. We're getting ready for a game against the Chicago Bears. We're also taking one look back at the Seahawks game. And to do that, we have a guest joining us on the phone today. Expert interview. As he does every Wednesday during the season on the show, we have Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com. Nathan, how are you doing today? Good morning, Brian. I'm doing well. How about you? Very good, as usual. Thank you for joining us. Um, Nathan... Uh, taking a look back here at the Packers' last game, how remarkable was Aaron Rodgers' performance against the Seattle Seahawks considering he suffered a calf injury the third play of the game? I would say this was his most impressive passing performance of the season. I know there's games where he's put up bigger numbers, but uh, he was just really efficient throwing the football, uh, completed all but five of his pass attempts. Of those five incompletions, two of them were intentionally thrown away, so... Uh, very rare for him to have a bad throw in this game. When he did, it was just a safe overthrow. Never really too worried about any of those passes getting intercepted. Um, a few highlight-worthy plays in there as well. Um, if you had one complaint about him during the game, it was he was at times holding onto the ball too long. Uh, led to his one time getting sacked. Uh, he was hit a few times because he held onto the ball for a while. But really, when you're able to do that well on just 24 pass attempts, it's a huge thing for a team yeah great great game by Aaron Rodgers in this past victory here but speaking of injuries Nathan how did TJ Lang look upon his return for a broken bone in his foot uh he in the run game was it was one of his more impressive games of the season uh, in part just because the Packers were running more so they were able to see Lang run blocking more often uh, he did just a great job pushing around the defensive tackles of the Seahawks uh, putting them where they needed to be in order for the Packers' run game to work successfully. Um, only real problem he had in the run game is whenever he was asked to block Michael Bennett, which wasn't too often in the run game. Uh, pass protection, he allowed two hurries, which tied his season high this year, but they both came fairly late in the play, so it wasn't above-average pass blocking performance out of Lang, which he's had every game this season, so... It was definitely really helpful for the Packers to have him back in the lineup. Yeah, I thought especially coming off the injury and missing that time, I thought he played exceptionally well. So good job from TJ Lang. Uh, in the running game, uh, Christine Michael saw more than just a handful of snaps for pretty much the first time in a Packers uniform. How did he look against his former team? 
Sure. Michael played 17 snaps in this one. Uh, most of his impact came in the run game rather than the pass game. I think just one catch. But uh, he averaged 3.6 yards per carry, 2.9 of them coming after contact. Uh, there weren't too many of his runs that were overly impressive. Just one of them went for a first down. Um, there was one run where it looked like he was going the wrong way compared to where the run blocking was being set up. So um, he really hasn't looked all that impressive so far in a Packers uniform, which uh, kind of carried on for what he was doing late uh, in his time with the Seahawks. Uh, he was averaging four players, missing tackles on him per carry his first five games of the season. But over the past seven, it's been less than one and hasn't had a run of over 10 yards over the past seven games. So at least to this point, he hasn't gotten out of this slump that led him to get cut by Seattle. Well, hopefully the more comfortable he gets in the Packers offense, those days will come. But Nathan, on the defensive side of the football, I think uh, defensive lineman Mike Daniels kind of flew under the radar, not making any sacks or turnover-inducing plays, but it was still as solid as could you as can be. Would you say that's the case? Yeah, I would agree with you there. Daniels is another player who I thought had his best game of the season this past week. Um, he didn't have any sacks, but he did have one hit and four hurries. Um, there were a couple other times where he clearly beat the offensive lineman, but it was just a quick throw by Russell Wilson. So it didn't really impact the play, just impressive out of him. Uh, showed off a spin move a couple of times that was successful. Uh, then in the run game, he had three run stops, which was really good considering he only was in for 12 run snaps. Um, a couple other plays where he was able to be disruptive, um, at times standing up his line at the man of, at his man at the line of scrimmage, which uh, led to the run getting disrupted. So, uh, considering he was able to be a positive force for the Packers on over half of his run snaps, that was really impressive in the run game. Yeah, good game for Mike Daniels. We're talking to Nathan Yankee of ProFootballFocus.com here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Nathan, uh, I think this is a good opportunity to discuss Dayton Jones, someone we haven't talked much about this season, uh, but he got a lot of playing time with Nick Perry being out, and I thought he played pretty well. I agree with you there, especially in the pass game. Um, if you look at Daniel's highlight plays as a pass rusher, they were maybe a little better than Jones' uh, highlight plays as a pass rusher, but Jones was able to get pressure a little more frequently. And often, uh, it was late in the play, but he was able to at least hit Wilson a lot. Uh, he ended up with one sack, four hits, and three hurries, which uh, eight total pressures is the most he's had in his career. Um, wasn't really involved positively or negatively in the run game, but it was good to see him doing so well as a pass rusher in this one. So... I think it'll be interesting to see what the Packers do with Jones after the season, since I believe uh, he will be a free agent. So uh, he's been an above average pass rusher these past couple years, but uh, he's been doing better than plenty of other first round picks. But just as a role player, he probably hasn't quite lived up to the expectations of being a first round pick yet. I also think the time is appropriate to analyze the play of cornerback Demarius Randall coming off his two-interception game. How has he looked not only against the Seahawks, but since coming back from injury? Uh, sure, this past week he had his two interceptions, which is obviously great to see. Um, made another play where he allowed a catch on third down, but he made the tackle short of the first down marker, so that's a win for the defense. Um, he did allow a touchdown, another first down, and had a missed tackle. 
So it wasn't an excellent game out of him this past week, but the good outweighed the bad with the interceptions. Um, the two previous weeks hadn't been quite as good. Uh, he also had some missed tackles in those games. Against Philadelphia, allowed six of seven passes thrown his way to be caught. Um, against Houston, he wasn't beat as often, but when he was beat, it was for a 44-yard touchdown as well as another 24-yard pass. So, um, And a lot of games where Randall does allow some big plays, he has some good plays to make up for it, which he did this past week, but that wasn't as true the previous two weeks. Uh, we've talked a, about a lot of positive performances here, Nathan, but but I thought the play of Julius Peppers against the Seahawks was rather underwhelming considering how much he played and going up against a subpar Seattle offensive line, wouldn't you say? I'd agree with you there. Uh, he had two pressures in the game. Uh, neither of them were overly impressive, and outside of that, he was fairly invisible. Um, sometimes when in the run game when someone's invisible, it's because they're constantly getting blocked and the offense is having their way with them, where in this case it was just a lot of plays where Peppers was just uninvolved with the run game. Um, he wasn't doing anything positively or negatively to impact it, and it was uh, what other players did that determined the success of the play. So um, even if he had one or two good plays against the run, I would say he would have been average um, in the run game, but he was below average because he didn't do anything. And then as a pass rusher, you'd like to see more than two pressures with how often he was rushing the passer. So I don't think he was the worst packer of the week because um, he just wasn't doing enough positive. He wasn't doing anything negative though, but it was definitely one of his weaker performances of the season. All right. Looking ahead here, Nathan, the bears gave the lions all they could handle this past weekend. Who on the Bears roster still makes them dangerous despite their record? Uh, sure. First off, Matt Barkley, who's been starting at quarterback the past three weeks, has been fairly impressive for someone who's been a backup throughout his career. Um, he's had a lot of passes dropped, which makes his numbers uh, not look quite as good as his actual performance has been. Um, he's had five of his deep passes dropped, which is more than any quarterback this season. And considering he's played less than a third of the games, that's remarkable there. Um, he does get Alshon Jeffrey back, so um, he should uh, have another target where he hasn't quite had the targets in these previous weeks. And Jordan Howard, as a rookie, uh, has been one of the more remarkable running backs this season. So the Bears do have some weapons on offense still. Um, their front seven, they've lost a few players, but they've still been performing well against the run despite those losses. Um, have some good edge rushers and Pernell McPhee, Leonard Floyd, who should give the Packers offensive tackles a test. But they do have a, a bigger weakness in their coverage unit. So I would say they're better than their 3-10 and 10 record shows. Um, they do still have a decent amount of talent on the roster, just have lost a number of close games. But I think if Aaron Rodgers can play close to as well as he did this past game, it'll be pretty hard for the Bears to get a victory if Rodgers can play that well. And, of course, the temperature is going to play a big factor in that game. Nathan, thank you so much for previewing the game with us here today. Uh, glad to have you join us, and we'll break it down next Wednesday. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Take care. Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com joining us here at Railbird Central on a 
Wednesday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, joining us as we continue on with the show. Packers News of the Day. All right. As reported by Adam Kaplan of ESPN on Tuesday, the Green Bay Packers are going to sign linebacker Jordan Tripp, who was recently released by the Seattle Seahawks. Actually, he just started a game for them like two weeks ago. He'll presumably fill the spot of suspended defensive lineman Mike Pinnell, although the Packers haven't made this move official quite yet. Uh, I was surprised the Packers actually are going outside the organization to fill the roster spot. I thought they'd just promote from the practice squad at this point. But Jordan Tripp has been somewhat of a journeyman. He played for the Dolphins as a rookie in 2014. He played for the Jaguars in 2015, uh, Seattle Seahawks in 2016. So this will be his fourth NFL team already. I actually remember Tripp being at the NFL Combine when I covered the event in 2014 for Cheesehead TV and putting together our draft guide. Uh, Coming out of Montana, he tested very well in the measured drills at the Combine. Although, as you know, if you follow football, uh, being a good tester doesn't necessarily translate to the football field. There must be a reason he's been a journeyman now on his fourth NFL team. I guess we'll find out if we get a long enough look at him in a Packers uniform. I don't know. Maybe they keep him through the offseason and we'll see him in training camp next year. Um, uh, time will only tell uh, for that point. Uh, at this point, he's just kind of a stopgap kind of guy. Um, uh, the, the Packers certainly could use the depth because of the injury situation at inside linebacker. Uh, the only player they really fully trust out there right now is Joe Thomas, who's been seeing a lot of playing time for really the last month or so. Um, and he was even playing regularly before that, maybe just not 100% of the snaps like he almost has been. You know, uh, the other guys, you know, take a look at him. Jake Ryan was limited just a handful of snaps against Seattle this past Sunday. Clay Matthews was limited to pass rush status only at outside linebackers. They tried to keep people away from his injured shoulder um, and didn't want him taking on blocks and things like that. Uh, Blake Martinez missed his third straight game now. Um, and Carl Bradford is, you know, basically an emergency inside linebacker only playing on basically special teams almost exclusively for the Packers. Uh, then they, of course, had to use Morgan Burnett more at inside linebacker than anybody else. They they trust him more than a guy like Carl Bradford. And part of it, you know, a big part of it is due to the coverage in a, you know, a passing league like the NFL where they try to get more speed on the field. And, you know, using Burnett as a linebacker basically accomplishes that. Um, Jordan Tripp was one of three players the Packers reportedly worked out on a tryout basis on Tuesday. This according to Rob Domovsky of ESPN.com. They also brought in linebacker Frank Beltre, who played in the Canadian Football League, and defensive lineman David Mawala, who was last with the Denver Broncos. 
it looks doubtful that they'll sign the other two, seeing as they don't really have an open spot right now, assuming the Packers use, you know, use that roster spot on defensive lineman Mike Pinnell, placing him on the suspended list, et cetera, et cetera. They don't, you know, really have room on the 53-man roster or the practice squad without making any additional moves, but that's who they brought in to work out at least. Um, So that's kind of the roster um, update for you. And now for an injury update, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network was on top of the injury suffered by the Packers in the Seahawks game. Uh, He reported that tight end Jared Cook had a lung contusion and was held out for precautionary reasons. He should be okay and is not expected to miss any games. Despite any speculation I might have relayed about practice squad tight end Devin Kajust in the last episode of Railbird Central, I was just parroting what I saw at PackersNews.com and did uh, cite them, by the way. Um, but it looks like Jared Cook's going to be fine, and that's good news for the offense. As long as he's healthy, he can be a weapon for the Packers. Unfortunately, they haven't seen him being healthy nearly enough. So, um, you know, if he's out there and he's the, I mean, we saw it this past week in his one catch that that 15-yard game was just a brilliant play for the Green Bay Packers when Aaron Rodgers hit him and, you know, uh, set up a first down and all that kind of stuff. I, it, that was good. I, I mean, the, the, it goes back. I mean, when, when Jared Cook is healthy, he can be a matchup nightmare for opposing teams. Like I said, we just haven't seen it nearly enough. So uh, assuming he's okay, and all, all indications at this point are that he'll be okay, Uh, That's good news for the Packers this upcoming Sunday as they prepare to take on the Chicago Bears. Uh, Ian Rappaport also reported that the injury sustained by quarterback Aaron Rodgers to his right calf is not as serious as the one that hobbled him back in 2014. So that's more good news for the Packers who remember how limited Rodgers was mobility-wise at the end of the 2014 season. Now, it certainly doesn't help that his right calf injury comes on top of a hamstring strain a few weeks before. But as for now, he's playing through them. Um, so I don't, that's all he can do. He's he's gutting it out and he's going out there and his he's not been really limited by any means. Um, he's... I, I've definitely seen more limited players playing qu- the quarterback position during my time. Uh, he's out there, and and I would say he's at, I, I don't know, he appears to be at 90% out there if I had to put an estimate on it. So, um, and and the arm is not the problem whatsoever. So as long as as long as he's okay in the upper body, uh, that's you you can play through that kind of stuff. You know, it's worth watching, however, if the weather will have any impact on Sunday in Chicago when there might be record low temperatures below zero degrees. It's it's going to hover right around zero. It's, you know, still being a few days away from the game here. Uh, you know, some people say above, some people say below, right around zero. 
it's certainly going to be hard to get those muscles loose on a day like that, whether it's the hamstring, whether it's the calf. So uh, that's definitely kind of worth watching, I would say, in this game. And, and, you know, there's certainly things they can do. I mean, he can get as much treatment here as possible in the run up to the game. You know, then during the game, they can even do things like tape hot packs to to his body. Uh, so during the game, uh, you know, if he needs that on his hamstring or something like that, they can do that. They got those heated benches out there. So every time they come off the field, he can go and sit on that. You know, these are all tiny things that might help. But, you know, if the if the Packers are out there for a sustained drive out on the field several minutes long, you know, it can get pretty cold out there in, in temperatures right around zero. I I know just yesterday I was going to let the dog outside of the bathroom and uh, uh, I, I myself, you know, was, was cold enough in temperatures that were, you know, above zero here in Wisconsin right now. So it's, 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 I'm just saying, uh, keep an eye on it. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm going to be happy sitting in front of a, uh, a night on you know a nice warm living room on Sunday watch the ga- watching the game I'm almost glad I- I'm not out there outside in this type of environment ba- more I mean I don't mind going to cold weather games I've done it I was just at the uh, Texans game two weeks ago uh, that albeit was not quite near zero but still hovering around the freezing mark anyway that's basically your news update on the Green Bay Packers here and if I could, not really anything newsworthy here, but I, I, I just think I wanted to get this off my chest and, and just really uh, something I've wanted to say for a while. It, it hasn't really been like this big major impact on the Green Bay Packers, but just come out right here and say it instead of dancing around it. Kudos to the Green Bay Packers for what they have done the past two weeks in getting Jeff Janice involved in kind of these sweep sweeps, uh, jet sweeps uh, or reverses or, you know, whatever you, however you really want to break it down uh, more a, a jet sweep than anything else, I think. Um, but this is how you, you being the Green Bay Packers, how you've got to get a player like Jeff Janice involved in the game. Uh, we've heard it so many times now, and we, we've started to see it a lot more this year as he's gotten more playing time. He is just not a comfortable hands-catching wide receiver out there uh, on the football field. He's not, I, I'm not sure he's ever going to be a guy that's going to be on the football field 100% of the time, you know, like Jordy Nelson is, where he's out there basically every snap and and you're comfortable with him out there no matter what the situation just because you know in terms of refined route running and catching the football Jeff Jeff Janis just doesn't have it but that's not to take away from his athletic ability I think you have to manufacture ways to get the ball in his hands and jet sweeps like this are a great way to do that. Uh, And we've seen it now two weeks in a row. He gets the handoff two weeks in a row, result in touchdown plays. 
I mean, it's when when you got a guy the speed of Jeff Janis, get him a running start. He's going to do good things. And I I don't think the way to get him the football is deep down the field. Yeah, you can probably catch lightning in a bottle once in a while like they did in last year's playoff game when he basically caught the Hail Mary. You can catch lightning in a bottle like that once in a great while, but otherwise you're going to have to manufacture ways to get him the football. One is on sweeps like that. Another, I think, is is something I saw in the Packers do in the preseason a few years ago. They did like a bootleg rollout in which Jeff Janis came across the field and the distance of the the ball in the air to Jeff Janis really wasn't all that far, probably less than 10 yards down the field. But they got him, you know, he came all the way across the field from the other side of the formation. You know, they got him a running start and all he had to do was grab the ball, turn up the field, and it really wasn't like this long pass. It, it, it just was a short one. I think that's what you got to do with him. Short little passes, not deep ones down the field. So get him sweeps. Get him plays like that. Get get him back there and kickoff returns, What which he's been doing. Him and Ty Montgomery have been kind of sharing time. And I know, you know, it's it's tough to get any player kickoff returns in today's day and age in the NFL when... Most of the kicks go for touchbacks. But I think, you know, you start, you know, getting the football in his hands in all those ways. That's how you get Jeff Janis the ball. The Packers finally have started to realize that. I don't know why it took them three years into his tenure to, to kind of do it this way. Um, they probably should have been doing this all along. Uh, but that that is how you get them involved, and it, it's paying dividends with touchdowns in each of the past two weeks, albeit not in the most critical of situations, both times when the Packers have, you know, had the lead and, and kind of, you know, been, you know, the, the, the game not really in question at the time, uh, albeit with time still on the clock. Uh, in in times for in terms of the other team capable of coming back potentially, but I think we're splitting hairs here. So I just wanted to mention that thought the Packers had done a really good job and was worthy of uh, uh, of mention here. Anyway, the day ahead. All right. So the Green Bay Packers will release their first injury report of the week on Wednesday. Obviously, we're watching the previously mentioned injuries to quarterback Aaron Rodgers and tight end Jared Cook. But if I could throw one more out there that I think is kind of worth watching this week, and we'll see what happens, I think it'll be interesting to watch linebacker Nick Perry, who was only ruled out of missing one game this past week against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I know head coach Mike McCarthy wasn't ready to commit anything beyond that. He said, he said, you know, Nick Perry will miss the Seahawks game. Uh, but, you know, nobody as of yet has said, oh, they're shutting him down for the season or anything like that. Uh, I'm assuming, you know, he had to undergo some sort of surgery on his hand. I, I, I don't know. I, that that speculation on my part, I haven't heard anything to that regard. Um, but, it, you know, I don't know how comfortable the Packers are putting him out there 
with a club cast on his hand or how or they they might have to figure out how much of a club cast does he need if he did perhaps undergo surgery it might have to be one of those clubs that cover the full hand at least until a few weeks pass as they want to protect it as much as possible and it fully heals and all that now once they're getting close to it being fully healed then they might be able to expose some fingers or things like that so that i don't know maybe that's something they experiment with at practice this week and again just my presumption because he didn't practice at all last week so you know as as far as getting nick perry ready we're going to see what capacity he's in this week when he's on the injury report is he limited is he full is he even out there at whatsoever um it's just so important i think you know for for a guy that you know really has been the packers best defensive player this year at least up until this point um it sure would be nice to have his services out on the field especially in the run game although he certainly hasn't been chopped liver rushing the passer either uh so i think that's that's a that's a big one to watch this week this week i'm not sure if uh Weather would impact their decision with Nick Perry. Uh, you know, if that club cast uh, totally covers his hand, I'm not sure how much, you know, cold would impact it anyway, although I'm not a doctor. So uh, just just keep it in your back of your mind. The brutal cold weather that the Packers face this week could change some decisions they make. Um, but, yeah, that's what I'm excited to see as the Packers release their injury report. Mike McCarthy's press conference comes at 1.30 p.m. Central Time today. That'll be streamed live on Packers.com, so we'll see what Coach Mack has to add. And as for the talk show circuit on Wednesday evening, there are two of them, one on television and one on the radio, both at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. Green Bay Nation airs on the CBS affiliate in Green Bay, that's the one on TV. Meanwhile, 107.5 FM The Fan hosts its show at Thornberry Creek Golf Club in Oneida. Both shows will have player guests. Uh, so if you want to get your Green Bay Packers fix, that's how on a Wednesday evening. Uh, I know the show uh, from 107.5 streams online. Green Bay Packer Nation on TV doesn't. Um, but there are other affiliates and other times that show airs as well, if that's uh, more appropriate for you. Anyway, that's how you do it on a Wednesday evening, and that'll do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us today on the show. Thank you to Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com for being our guest. Before we go, my call to action, uh, if you could do us a solid and head to iTunes, we'd greatly appreciate it if you gave us a rating. Uh, just go to iTunes, search Cheesehead TV, TV, it'll pop right up, pardon me. Um, if you could give us a five-star rating and a brief little review, doesn't have to be anything long. Uh, we'd love it because it helps get word out about the show, and we think it's a service to Green Bay Packers fans. Haven't had a review in a while, in about the past month or so. So if we could get somebody out there giving us a rating, uh, I know I haven't really promoted it in a while, uh, but we'd, we'd love that if you did. And that'll do it for here. Uh, we'll be back again on Friday with another episode of Railbird Central. 
That airs typically every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8.30 a.m. Central Time, which is the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. We'll see you, folks. Have a good Wednesday. See you in just two more days. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kiribu. I leave you today with a song called Sometimes a River by String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See you, everyone. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.